Well, tonight I'm going to uh, teach a lesson that um, I had taught previously some few years ago, but I always, when I teach a lesson, I always, you know, add some things to it. So tonight I want to talk about something I've talked about before, and I call it the common experience, the common experience. Um, we understand each other when we have a common experience. In fact, I don't really have to communicate much uh, when you have a common experience. You know, they say twins, identical twins, can just kind of look at each other and they know what they're talking about without saying much. Why? Because they've grown up so closely that they know every little expression, they, they know every little uh, background. They're coming from a common experience. The, the, the further away our experience is from each other, the less that we are able to communicate and understand one another. You know, they talk about culture dif difference and cultural uh, things because uh, you may have been raised differently, so I don't understand uh, where you're coming from, right? You've heard that, that's, that statement. You don't understand where people are coming from. That's because they've not had a common experience. And so that's one of the things that we have with God. We have a cultural difference with God. In Isaiah 55, verse 8, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. What God is saying here is, uh, there's a problem. We have a problem communicating with God. But the problem is not really God's fault. It's because we have had not much of a common experience. The Bible tells us that God is a spirit. And of course, we are encapsulated in flesh. And the Bible here is telling us or making a revelation and making it plain. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. The way we even think is totally different. When we look at an issue, we look at it through fleshly eyes and human solutions. We don't look at it from a God point of view most of the times. And so we have a hard time understanding how God operates because his cultural background is so different to ours. And we find that question asked so many times, right? Why? Why? Why, Lord, did you do that? We don't understand where God is coming from. And, of course, Job, the book of Job encapsulates that whole um, theme of not understanding what's happening to us. You know, we, we have lived what we think is our best life, and still things happen to us. And there are many, many reasons for that, but we, we think also that God should just be able to snap his finger and make everything perfect immediately. But we don't understand where he's coming from. And that's expressed in the book of Job. In Job 42 and verse 1, when finally Job gets to speak to God, because that's the whole thing he's been saying. If I could only speak to him, if I could only communicate. You ever said that? You want to have a one-on-one -on -one with God? You ever said that to yourself? Could you have a one-on-one -on -one with God? It'd be a long conversation. It'd be a long conversation. I wonder where you'd start. Well, when I was in uh, second grade, so-and-so <laughs> did this to me and I never did anything. You know, it would be a very long conversation. Uh, and Job had that feeling right here. He says to God, he says, I know thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. 
And God says to him, who is this that hideth counsel without knowledge? God is saying, you know, you just don't understand me and you're, de- you're demanding answers. You're trying to understand something that you're not capable right now of understanding. But Job does get it in the end. He says, I uttered that I understood not. Things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. It's, it's amazing how many times if we look back on our teenage years, we thought we were so smart. If you go back to your teenage, you thought you had got it all worked out. You knew everything that was happening. But we have a language problem. We have a language problem. Have you ever been in a country, I've traveled a bit, and you don't know how isolating it is to suddenly be in a country where nobody speaks English. And even some of the most basic things you don't know how to say. It's not till you've had that experience do you really understand some of the gap between us and God. I've traveled to a few countries and um, even some little things like, where's the bathroom? <laughs> I did learn that. Donde esta el baño? I know that one. Right? Right, Brother Jordan? Something like that. But even for simple things, we have a problem. And, and you don't notice it because you live in an English-speaking country and you, so you, you take it for granted. But if you were to ever to go to some other country where they don't speak no English, you start grunting and making signs. That's all you can do, you know. And, and, and speaking loud like that helps. <laughs> That's exactly what we do with God. We shake our fist at him and we grunt and we shout at him as if that's going to help the understanding and the conversation. You see, one of the things we don't understand, of course, is suffering. We don't understand that because we think uh, once we become a Christian, God should just be able to fix it. Simple as that. God, why don't you just fix it? You have the power. Why don't you do it? And if the reason comes down is because we don't speak God's language. We don't speak God's language. You know, God is real, we're told, and we believe that, and yet there is suffering and pain. 1 Peter 1.6 is wherein he greatly rejoiced, though now for a season, and remember it is a season. Who's going through a season? I'm sure all of us are going through different seasons. As we can see, the season is changing. I, w- I, I had to dr- drive out to Beloit uh, yesterday, and I could see already the trees, the colors were coming in. The season is changing. We may be going through a season here of heaviness through the manifold temptations or trials. But remember, it is a season. And one of the things that the uh, Apostle Peter says is that the trial of of our faith, being more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. I believe one of the things why we go through testing is just that. It's just so that we can, God can see who's who. Amen? God can see who's who. He has another way of doing it. He could just read your mind and control your thoughts. But because he's given us free will, the only other way he can know who's who is you're going to have to go through testing. Sister Brownie's got a uh, comment. So one minute, he's going to bring the, the microphone. It's just a scripture that came to me that you talked about knowing God, but it said, um, I believe it's in Philippians, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. And we want the power of his resurrection. We don't want the fellowship. That's part of knowing him. You're taking away my lesson. Oh. (laughs) All right. 
we'll be getting to that, but thank you. That's, that's, that's in my lesson. We're co- going to come to that. Amen. So when we, when we talk about God, we don't understand why he can't do things. It's not that. We're the ones in the foreign country, and we don't speak his language. So you know what people do when they can't be understood? They shout louder. <laughs> As if that's supposed to make someone understand. They speak louder. And, and, and that's what we do to God. We just start shouting at him. And we get mad at him because he's not understanding our situation, you know? Um, Peter says this, In all this you greatly re- rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, this is in a modern translation, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. We see this with Jesus and his disciples. He tested them. Remember on Sunday I said he said, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood, and then he watched to see what they were going to do with that. And 60 of them left. And he said to the others, you, you want to leave too? See, God wants real people. He wants people who truly have faith, truly trust him. Even though we can't understand, because isn't that what the scripture tells us? To lean not to... If we try and work it out, we'll, we'll definitely come to the conclusion that God is unfair. Right? We will definitely come to the conclusion that God is unfair. Why? Because we don't speak his language. We don't understand from his perspective. We're going to look at some of that tonight. You know, especially when in uh, 9-11, you know, people said, then why did God let this happen? Why, why all did all these things happen? The same question actually was asked of Jesus in the New Testament. There were some people who died when a tower in Jerusalem collapsed. Let's read it. Luke chapter 13, verse 1. And there were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He, he had executed some, some worshipers. Why? They were coming to Jerusalem to worship. They had brought sacrifices. Yet Pilate, the, the Roman um, procurator, had executed them. And Jesus said unto them, Do you think it's because they were sinners? Was it because they were sinners? No, that wasn't the reason. Because people always think that it's because you did something that a bad thing is going to happen. Jesus was saying, no, that's not always the the truth, but you can't understand it yet. And he says, I tell you, nay, no, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or he says, those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell, they were building a tower and it fell and it killed 18. Was it because they were bad people necessarily? Verse 5 tells us not. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Jesus didn't try and give them an explanation. Just like, you know, I said on Sunday when I was small and my dad said he was going to work to make money. I, that's a, literally what I thought he did was make the money. Uh, and he didn't try and explain to me that that's not what he was doing because it, it was going to take a long time <laughs> to explain to a three or four year old about making money. And it wasn't until I grew older that I understood what that phrase meant. And that's why we can't lean to our own uh, understanding. You know, the why cannot be explained until we learn the language. The why cannot be explained until we speak the same language. 
then it becomes easy. We may not even ask why. But when we don't speak the same language and you go to a foreign country and you see them doing strange things, you have no way of finding out why. You just have to accept it, that this is a different culture, a different experience to what you're used to, and this is the way they do things. They may have very good reasons. I saw an article which I wish I had read, but I didn't. It said, like, five things in Japan which are illegal in other countries. <laughs> it caught my eye, but I didn't read it, so I can't tell you what they were. See, when you go to a, a different country, a different culture, unless you understand the language... You cannot communicate. You can't ask why. Romans 5.3 says this, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation, and this was my message Sunday, worketh patience. Mean you have to wait. You have to wait. You have to be patient before the understanding comes. In fact, learning a language takes time. Learning a language takes time. I remember I went to school... And I grew up in England, and they, they had two languages that you could choose, French and German. And I was, I was terrible at both of them. <laughs> I was not very good at either of them. I'm learning another language now, and I'm doing a little bit better because I'm motivated, and that's Hebrew. And I'm really enjoying it, you know. But learning a language is something else. It really is something else. And until you have the patience, then you can't learn the language. As soon as you understand all of the the verb endings and so on. Then things start to make sense. When you learn the grammar and how, they, how it's used, like in, in Hebrew and in many other languages, the, um, the verbs and the nouns have a gender, right? In English, most things don't have a gender. The only things that may have a gender is like a ship. We call a ship a her, she. They sailed in her. But most of the things in English don't have a gender. In other languages, most things have a gender. So that changes how you think about words and how it's, how it's said. But you can't even ask the question, why, until you get into the language. And patience then brings experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. Why? Because the love of God. I said that faith that works through love is the strongest faith. Because you love, you trust. Because you trust, you wait. And because you, you wait, you have hope. Amen. And that's what this is saying. The why cannot be explained unless you can speak the language. And the why cannot be explained in human terms. The fact that we can't always answer the why does not make it wrong to ask. We're human. And we have a great example, Jesus. On the cross, didn't he say why? Why did he have to go through that? Because he had to come to the point of experiencing what we go through. He came down here. Guess what he came to do? To learn our language. Our language, human language, is a lot of suffering. And that's why he came down. So he can understand us. We haven't yet fully understood him. So it's because we're human that we suffer loss and we suffer pain. And we can't see the great beyond. We, we're told that what, what should happen and what may happen. But we have to believe in faith. Amen. It's because we're human that even Jesus on the cross had to say the same thing. He had to say, my God, my God, why? So that he could fulfill the scripture that says he was in all points tempted, such as we are yet without sin. He fulfilled that. So right now we have to accept a different answer to the why, because we don't speak the language. We got we to gotta have a different answer. And I remember teaching this before. Instead of asking why, 
we need to ask who. Because if you know who, you won't ask why. You get it? You don't need to ask why if you know who it's going to be taken care of. You may not understand it, but you know who is doing it. You know who is behind it. So the different question is not why, but who. When you know Jesus Christ, when you have a relationship, you may not understand it. You may not be able to ask why, because you know who. The who question can always be answered. God will tell you who he is. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open, we will come in and we will dine and sup with him. So let's look at that. In Acts chapter 9, verse 1, we have Saul before his conversion, wrecking havoc on the church. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, because he was going to go and kill Christians. Because, guess what? He had been asking the question, why? Why are these people perverting Judaism? Why are they going about saying all this stuff? Until he had a Damascus Road experience. Now listen to what happens to his question in verse 5. And he said, who art thou, Lord? Do you understand his question changed? He, now he knows who this is. He stops asking that question. Because God tells him, listen, you are going to have to suffer some things. But I'm not going to explain anything to you right now. But you go to Damascus and someone is going to contact you. You understand that we have to change the question we've been asking since we can't fully speak the language. You see, if you know who your guide is, you don't have to ask why. You start trusting them. When you go to a foreign country, um, like when I went to Mexico the first few times, they sent someone from the plant to meet me. All I had to make sure is who he was. Now, where he was going, what car he got into, how everything was done, I didn't need to worry about that as long as I knew who he was. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you know the King of Kings, when you know the Lord of Lords, the question why is not as important. See, when when we're in a foreign country, which we are, and we don't understand in the spiritual world what's going on, the important question is to know who art thou, Lord? And he said, it's it's I, Jesus. When you know who it is, the other questions pale. The other questions become small. It says it is I, and then you know, Saul at that point shut up. He he didn't try and ask, well, when are my eyes going to be open? And what's the next thing? He just said, "Go, go and wait in Damascus, and then you'll be told. You see, obedience to who is more important. Now, if someone came to meet me at the airport, and I ignored them, I would be there in a mess because I don't speak the language. I don't know where to go. I don't know anything about the city. I can ignore them all the time. But if I want to get somewhere, I got to recognize who was sent to help me. And that's the case that we are in. We're, We're in a foreign spiritual land, so to speak. And we are always shouting at God as if he's deaf. To think that the louder we scream, the more he'll hear us. Jesus said the Pharisees, they pray with great repetitions because they think they will be heard. They think God is deaf. In the Old Testament, Elijah just did a little small prayer. The prophets of Baal, they cut themselves and screamed and carried on all day. And Elijah started mocking them. He said, maybe Baal's asleep. (laughs) But our God never slumbers or sleeps. 
The reason why you don't get the answer you want yet is because you don't speak his language. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to see in this study that he came down here to learn our language. Amen. There are some things, though, we can know. And as I said, the most important is who, not why. Amen. So faith is not knowing why, but it's knowing who. Amen. So sin is what caused all of this in the beginning. And, and, and we can't get around the fact that real life has sorrow. There are issues. There is real pain. We can't wish it away. And, and, but, again, we can get through it. Amen? In the, in the prophecy of the names, you know, it's, it starts with God and then it goes to Adam. Man is appointed a mortal man of sorrow. That's what the prophecy said. When man fell, then it all changed because because of sin, the Bible says in Romans, death came into the world. And the glory of God shall come down, teaching that his death shall bring the despairing comfort. What an awesome prophecy, just in the names, the meaning of the names that was given in Genesis. You see, Job didn't understand the why, and for a long time he didn't really uh, understand much, but he wanted to know who. He asked, could I speak to the to God. I want to know him. And that's what Paul says in Philippians. Isn't he said, oh, that I may know him. And the what? The fellowship. See, if you know him, and I, re- I know I'm repeating myself, it'll let you get past the why. Amen. Some of us have these kind of days, right? Job chapter 1, verse 13. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses feeding beside them, and the Sabaeans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and only I am escaped alone to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, here comes some more bad news. There came another and said, Now listen to this. Satan's so clever. He says, The fire of God. The fire of God is fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And while he was yet speaking, another person came to say, the Chaldeans came and they they slew all thy servants, took all your livestock. There's like five different things happened on that one day. Now, think about it. Wouldn't Job have been um, given a pass for thinking God at least let this happen? God did let it happen. But again, are you going to ask why or who? And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and all your kids are dead. I can imagine that there's probably many hundreds of people, maybe some thousands of people in Florida right now, who maybe go to church, maybe even apostolic, and have lost stuff, and maybe asking that same question. And again, The reason is we have to focus on the who. So Job searched and searched. He asked these questions which we're all going to ask. Listen to the why questions he's asking. Job 3.11. Why died I not from the womb? Why didn't I die in the womb? Verse 12. Why did the knees prevent me? Or why the breasts should I say? Why didn't my mother just throw me away? Verse 23. Why is light given to a man whose way is it? God, why are you even waking me up? That's how much in depression and despair. It's all those why questions. Why? Because we can't speak God's language. Of course, we know what the origin of suffering is, and it was disobedience. Because 
God did not create any of this. The Bible tells us that every good and perfect gift cometh from the Father of light, Sister Mary. I'll wait till he gets there to give you the, the mic. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Sister Mary? But I just wanted you to elaborate on that partial portion when you said we know that suffering comes um, is because of disobedience. Because we're looking at Job. Right. And I'm going to get into that very soon. Because there are some things that are there that we did not cause, just like Jesus said about the people who got killed with the tower. Was it because they were sinners, worse sinners? He said no. But we are in a fallen earth. And so there are at least two types of evil. There's moral evil, that's people's choices. And then there's natural evil, which is there because the earth is corrupted. So there are hurricanes and earthquakes and things that are going to happen that are um, spiritual in nature and are not driven necessarily by a person. And then there are evil that comes from people's choices. For instance, I'll give you an example. It says the Sabaeans came and took away your livestock. Now, the Sabaeans were people, but Satan was behind them coming. Satan was behind them coming. Satan does his best work through people, right? He worketh through the children of disobedience. So someone made a choice at some point to listen. And that's how evil comes. Someone makes a choice to disobey God because God did not. He is not the origin of suffering or evil. God is a perfect being and a perfect being can only create perfect things by definition. By definition. God cannot make second best. He doesn't do that. So everything that we see in this world that is, that is um, degraded and, and, and sickly was not from God's original creation. Psalms 18.30 says, As for God, His way is perfect, and the word of the Lord is tried. He is a buck. That means he, he binds up all those that trust in Him. So sin, then, is the contrary exercise of someone's will. It's a choice. When we go against knowledge, when we know something is wrong and we do it anyway, what is God to do? The only choice he has is to either let us or to take us over. And that doesn't suit him to take us over, so there will be a choice for sin. Sister Johnny. I just wanted to know about this. Um, what about the scripture? I don't know which one it is, but it says about God... Uh, Create evil and he destroy. What? Okay, that's a, that's a very poor, it's in Isaiah 45. And what it really is, it's the King James Old English translation. What it really means is God creates distress. It, to the person who's going through a, tri a, a trial, yes, it's evil. They translated it evil, but it's really um, more of a, 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 a test or a, a distress. If you're going through a test, to you it's evil. But it doesn't mean in the sense of satanic or demonic. Because in James it says that God ne does not um, tempt anyone with evil. So for the scriptures to harmonize, um, it cannot mean uh, evil as they have translated. But if you go back to the Hebrew, it means distress. So God will bring us into distress. Why would he do that? So we wake up. 
if, if nothing negative happened to us, we just keep going on our way. The Bible says he chastises them that he loves, right? And it's only a, a bastard or out of who's not your child you don't care about, right? So the fact if we are, are, are chastised is because God loves us. He wants us to wake up and say, wait a minute. I'm, I'm, this is happening to me. I've got I to change. But he will not, um, you know, a good parent will not poison their kids, right? No, he's not going to do that. But you will correct them, Brother Joe. So in a sense, it's just like uh, our bodies with a pain sensor. Absolutely. That's, that's even a better way of me explaining it than I had thought of tonight. But the reason why we have pain is not to hurt us. It's to warn us. And without pain, we would damage ourselves even more. So the body provides feedback so that we can change. We don't lay our hand on a, a gas stove and just let it burn off because there is pain and immediately the reaction is to get out of there. And so God puts us sometimes or allows us to get into situations so that we will change. But God did not ever create evil or intend for that to be in the world the way that it is. And in fact, it was Satan's choice, and I've read this scripture so many times, in, in Isaiah chapter 14, when he says in verse 13, I will ascend. We, we talked that a few uh, Tuesday nights ago about the war of ascension, because that's what it's about. He wants to be God. I will ascend. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit in the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. That's when sin started, when pride came into this being's heart. The Bible says he was perfect until iniquity. God allowed all his sentient created beings to have a choice. Because he doesn't want robots. What he wants is love. That's what he wants is love. And because of that, he allowed us to have a choice. And the fact that he allowed us to have a choice means some people would choose to disobey, Brother Joe. So in a general sense, God has an order of truth. And so the devil has no power to create. All he has to do is the opposite of what God said. Absolutely. He, he can only destroy. You see, and I taught a Bible study. I'll have to teach it again. Um, that God kind of re revealed to me how he creates. And he creates by subtracting from himself. Amen. By limiting himself. But Satan has to add stuff to create. And that way he can only do uh, negative things. Amen. So sin then is the exercise of will against the laws of God. And we see that God gives them free will. He says in Genesis 16, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Did you hear that? He didn't start off by saying you cannot eat of, of this tree. He lets them know they have a choice. He lets them know you may freely eat. Then he says, but you shouldn't. Don't eat of this tree because it will kill you. There was a choice. There was a choice. And as I taught the other Sunday, it doesn't look that Eve had even looked at it. They'd never even, because God had said it, they had ignored that tree for a long time until Satan said, hey, why don't you look at it? Then the Bible says, and she saw, as if for the first time, that it looked attractive and that it might be good for food. You see, Proverbs thirteen fifteen says, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of a transgressor is hard. Why there is misery and all of this stuff in the world is because of people and Satan's choices. 
going to hurry. Here, here's the three wills I talked to you about before. There's God's will, 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is patient for your sake. That's why on Sunday, the Bible even calls him the God of patience. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. That's why he's waiting so many thousands of years and encouraging us to carry the message that he's real, that he can change lives, that he can bring love, that he can be a deliverer, that he can be a healer. That's why he's waiting so long, but wants everyone to repent. Then we have the flesh's will, which is completely negative to that. Paul explains that in Romans 7, 14. And I put it in a modern translation. He says, so the trouble is not with the law. For it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human. Amen. A slave to sin. I don't really understand even myself, let alone God. <laughs> Many of us don't understand ourselves because we surprise ourselves sometimes. Man, I never thought I would do that. I never thought I would, I would stoop to that. I, I didn't know that was in me. I shocked myself a, a few years ago. I didn't know I could get that angry. I thought I had that temper well under control. Paul says, listen, I don't really understand myself, yet we demand to understand God. For I, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows and agree that actually God's law is good. Then we have Satan's will. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give on the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever will I give it, if, and this is what he wants, our worship. See, those are the three wills that are in the world. And if, we, if any of the two of them have preeminence, then we have sin, then we have sorrow, then we have trouble. Amen. Romans 8, 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life, though, has made me free. Amen. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. That is the answer to, to his problem. And of course, because of sin, death entered into the world. That's what we said um, it, before. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. I took a picture of um, Abby when she was a baby. don't know. She was smiling at me, so I had to have that picture. Maybe it was just gas. I don't know, but she looked like she was smiling. <laughs> Look what God said. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. When Noah first came out of the ark, at that point we knew that man's control, man's dominion over flesh had gone. So God has already discounted the fact that we're going to be perfect in our flesh. He says, I'm not going to curse the ground anymore because for man's sake, because if I do that, there's going to be no hope. Because he has no power now. Because that's what Romans says. It says, nor can it be subject to. It's enmity with the law of God. Flesh will always be against what God wants to do. Flesh will always be against what God wants to do. For the imagination, that's the thoughts of man's heart, normally is evil from his youth. And that's why I said Sunday we have to find a meditation. Let the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O God. That's why we have to meditate upon his word. That is walking in the spirit. So it's so sad that usually in this world, it's one man causes millions to die. We see it today in Russia, right? One man is causing thousands of people to die, millions to have to flee their home. Isn't that something? 
if you think about it, always goes back to one man's choice. And this is the thing that is such a miracle. The Bible tells us, though, that by one other man's choice, millions can be brought to him. Isn't that something? That's God's mercy and his grace. We, we look back on history and we see men, one or two men in history that have caused total devastation. We can, we can name them. Hitler, Stalin, you know, Mao. All these single, through just their one decision, they brought death. All these people listening and becoming the tool of Satan. But God is so merciful. He sent one person down to learn our language so that through his death, all of us could have eternal life. Amen. So the two types of evil I was talking about, there's the moral evil, which is when someone chooses to go against knowledge, right? They, they just choose to do wrong. They know they're doing it wrong, but they want to do it anyway. That's an example of Cain killing Abel. Natural evil is an exercise of Satan's spiritual will. When he brings tornadoes and brings physical damage, we see that in the book of Job. He brought a tornado. He brought a hurricane. He caused what we would call uh, a libelous accusation. In, today they would say it's an act of God. No, it's not an act of God. It's an act of Satan. And that is a result of breaking a spiritual law. So, we can talk about it, and it's easy to talk until you're in it, until you're in the one of suffering. Then you're still going to cry out, "Why?" <laughs> I can tell you that we, 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 you know, we can talk about it theoretically when it's not us, but when it's us, we're still going to say, "But why, God? I could, why? I did the very, you know, I served you, Amen." And we don't understand really in the Book of Job what's really going on here. It's told at a very simplistic level. But I believe one day we're going to know. Now the Bible says, Sister Mary's got a question. The Bible says that Satan said, take away your protection. But if you read it very carefully, what God was saying, because he's on earth, he's already in your hand. God did not actually do anything or change anything. All he was letting Satan know, he's already in your power. Look at this. Satan says to God, you do it. Put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath, what I'm, and I put that, is already in your power. We are on en enemy territory. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I've been telling you that we're on enemy territory. Satan can, through people, cause us issues, right? He, he, he can't do too much as a ghost or as a spirit, except, you know, come to your room and try and scare you, but that's not going to do much. But if he gets into a person, if some human being lends their dominion, earthly dominion, then he can cause problems. Then he can, he can, he can do damage. So, and that's exactly what happened. It said the Sabaeans came and this other group came. Satan got into some people and made them hurt Job. And then he did some spiritual evil through the tornadoes and stuff. But God did not do it. He had that cap capacity all the time. But there was one thing that Satan could not do to Job. He couldn't kill him because that didn't belong to him. And there was something else, though, that he still had no matter what Satan did. And he had a hedge. And that was his faith. 
Remember, the Bible in the New Testament speaks about the shield of faith. He still had that shield no matter what Satan did. He could take physical things because what he told Jesus was true up until Jesus' death. He said, all these things I can give to you because they were what? They were delivered to me. So he was telling the truth. I can, I can make you rich I, if you will bow down. And he can do it. He could do it. Amen. He can't do it that way now, but he could at this time. Behold, so that's what Jesus, God was saying. All of this is in your power because mankind had obeyed you and lost their dominion. And we see that really brought out so clearly when you contrast Genesis with Genesis 1 with Genesis 8. And he tells Noah, uh, go out, replenish, subdue. But that word dominion now is missing. He had lost dominion. And so all that God was doing in, in Job chapter 1 verse 12 was acknowledging the status that man had lost dominion. Man had lost dominion. But that didn't mean that Satan could kill him because he can't. The Bible says our lives are hidden in Christ. So let's go on. I only have about 20 minutes or 15 minutes left. How do we understand that? How can we learn the language? How are we going to learn the language so that we can communicate? Here's what Hebrews 2.16 says. For indeed, he does not give help or aid. This is the modern translation to angels. But he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. That means he came down here first to learn our language. Because God cannot suffer pain. A spirit cannot suffer pain. But he came down as lived as a human being. That's why the scripture says he was in all points. You know what he was doing? He was learning our language. So that when we talk to him about pain and suffering, he can understand. That's what the Bible says. We have a high priest that can be touched. That can Why? He understands our language. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren. He had to be fully human. Had to be able to stub his, stub his toe. He had to be able to feel rain. Had to be hungry. He had to get tired. The reason... Why he stopped uh, outside that city, the Bible says, because he was weary. He even felt like probably you and me tonight. He had to stop and take a rest. The disciples went into the city, and that's how he met that that woman by the well. Because the Bible said he was weary in his journey. Do you understand? He does speak our language, but yet we don't yet speak totally the heavenly language. And that's why when we receive the Holy Ghost now, we're starting to learn. That's, you know, they have an app you can buy called Babel. We have the best app for speaking the heaven. That one doesn't have the heavenly language. It's got Chinese, it's got all kinds of languages, but the one that lets you speak to God in his language, you can't buy that one. You have to be filled with it. But when you get that spirit, what's the first thing that happens? And they heard them. Speak in other tongues. You know what's happening? You're beginning to understand. You're beginning to communicate. Therefore, he came first to learn our language. And then when he died, he gave us the Holy Spirit, the app, so that we could learn his language. And that's why the Bible says that when we speak in tongues, we make groanings that cannot be uttered. The Spirit is is, is manifesting or making groanings through us. For things we don't even understand yet. 
So the only way we will totally be able to understand is when we have a common experience. And we start that when we are filled with the Spirit. Because the Bible said that they that are what? Led by the Spirit. To them gave He power to become. So we're now learning the language. If you've been filled with the Spirit, you're on the journey. You're, you're starting the course. When you speak in tongues, your spirit is, is making uh, utterings and groanings and, on your behalf. Isn't that awesome? So God then came down to earth so that he could be a man. 1 Timothy 2.5, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, his humanity, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And the word, John 1.14 said, was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And just to show, in Matthew 21, 18, it says, Now in the morning as he returned into the city, he got hungry. Amen? He got hungry. Showing that now he understands when you say, I'm hungry, Father, I don't have any food, I don't have any money. He understands. John 4, 6, here's the, the scripture. Now Jacob's well was there, Jesus therefore being wearied. Weird. He understands when you say you're tired. Lord, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how I'm going to get through this situation. He, he can speak your language. John 11.35, the, the shortest verse in Scripture. Jesus wept. He understands emotion. He understands when you cry. God shared our experience so that He could speak our language. Mark 15.34, and at the ninth, the ninth hour, Jesus cried, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why? I believe, this is just my opinion, that that was the very first time he'd ever asked the question, why? Why? And that's what he didn't want the cross more than anything else because he knew at that point he was going to have to experience when all that sin was put on him, what it would feel like to be God forsaken. Because it's sin that separates us from God. And at that point on the cross, he who knew no sin became sin so that he could bear our iniquity. And he had to feel just as what sin does, separation. So in his humanity, he cried out and he had that feeling in his flesh of separation. John 8, 29. But we know that in actuality that was impossible because he was God in his divinity. And John 8, 29 tells us that. And, hath he, and he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. But because of fulfilling and learning our language in his humanity, he had to feel that way. That's why in Titus it says, great is the mystery. Yes, it's a mystery that God was manifest in the flesh. Seen of angels, right? Received up into God. God had to be manifest in the flesh to learn what it is to suffer. So that he truly understands. You know when someone, when you've been through the same thing, you don't have to say much to someone. You say, you just say, oh, you, you went there too? That's all you have to say. You know what they know. They know what you know. <laughs> you know, if you went through a certain situation and you said, you went through that too? They say, yeah. And you say, yeah. The communication now becomes elevated, right? When you don't have that experience, it has to be a long conversation. And they still don't get it. 
But when God suffered, when he suffered, he understands what it is. See, this, and I'm, I'm almost wrapping it up. The blind man who had been blind from birth could not understand anything about what sight was, right? And the, the people said, well, um, is it again because he sinned? No. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. This fact that he had been born blind was not how God designed the human being to be. And this was a work of the devil, and that's why Jesus came to destroy. He says, but the works of God should be made manifest, should be shown plainly in him. You understand what he came to do? This was not God's work, but God's work now was to fix the issue. So the communication and transfer of knowledge, we must have a common experience. And the closer we get to God, the less we will ask him why. Because all we'll do is have those conversations where you went there too. Yep, I understand. You don't have to say more because you have that relationship. See, God then started to ask Job some questions, and I'm almost finished. Because he wanted him to understand that he couldn't understand. You can't understand some simple things, Job, yet you're asking me something where you don't even have the same word. Now, the, the hardest thing to translate is when there is a one word in one language of which there is no other word in the other language. <laughs> I went to Mexico uh, back in the 90s, and back then I was fit, and I used to run every day, and I, I was going to be there sometime, so I wanted to, I wanted to. I wasn't going to stay there and not exercise, so I couldn't find a place to exercise. So I was just going to buy a treadmill. And we call it a treadmill. But what do you think they call it in, in, in Spanish? There is, no, there is no one word. So I had a hard time trying to explain what it was I wanted. It turns out the closest is walking horse. <laughs> I forgot how they say it, but now they may say treadmill. But back then, you know, when new words come up, they take the English version in most languages. But before that, they take several different words and put them together to, to explain the same thing. So I couldn't find a word that said treadmill, and somebody told me in Spanish it was walking horse. I don't know what that means. But So sometimes there is a lack of communication because the spirit world is so different from what we are experiencing. And we did not have a common experience. And so Paul here in, in Corinthians is trying to explain it. He says, for now we see through a, what, a glass darkly. But then one day when we, we, we go into that new country with all of our language now, with the Spirit fully in us, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even also as I am known. See, he came down and he knows us now. But we still don't know him because we got to go there. You see, Paul was explaining that in 2 Corinthians. He says, I knew a man, and he's probably speaking about himself, in Christ about 14 years ago. He's probably referring to the time when they stoned him, and he, I believe he was dead and he was brought back. But he says, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knows. Such an one was caught up to the third heaven. He means he had an experience of going to heaven. And now he sees stuff for which there is no words in the human realm to describe. He says, I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words. You understand? There's so much stuff that God cannot explain to us. But only with our eyes, if we endure to the end, we will experience it and we will see it. It's not God's fault. 
It's because we need to learn his language. Amen. I, there's a lot more, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to stand at this point. Romans 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit. You can't buy this in Play Store. You can't order it from, from uh, the, the, um, the, the Apple Store. You can order all kinds of little language apps that will translate. I even saw one. We had a, we went when we were in Madison. There was this Chinese student. She would speak Chinese into her phone, and it would speak spit out English. And I would speak into her phone, and it would spit out Chinese. But they haven't made one of those for heaven, because they can't. But God has. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, our weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray. We don't know how to really pray in God's language. But the Spirit itself speaks the language. Make, translates for us. Makes intercession for us with groanings. Which cannot, where the words don't, don't translate. They don't translate. But that's what's happening when you're speaking in tongues. You are beginning to come into communication with God. And he that searches the hearts knoweth. What is the mind of the Spirit? Because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You see, when we get into that common experience, we won't have to ask God anything. When down here while we're waiting, all we need to know is not why, but who. Who is it who is leading me? Who was sent to guide me? Who is taking care of the problem? I may not understand where they're going. I don't know this city. In fact, in the Old Testament, when they were going to cross over to Jordan... Uh, the Jordan, the, the, God told Joshua to tell the people there to watch the ark because they have not been this way before. They were to follow the ark. God has given us the spirit, the ark of his presence, which is doing the translation for us. And all we have to remember is who. Who was the one that died for us? Who is the one that loves us? Who is the one that's speaking on our behalf? Remember the who and not the why. Amen. Amen. God is such a good God. I'm closing this Bible study. I hope you've been encouraged. I hope you will meditate upon some of these things. You know that instead of asking God why, Lord, if it's you that's leading me through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Hallelujah. You could bow your heads with me, Father. We thank you tonight for your great word. Lord, that you, oh God, have spoken tonight, Lord God, that you wanted us to know who you are, just like Saul cried out, Lord, that it is I, Jesus. Lord, you came and you learned our language. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that you can speak to us. And through your spirit, Lord God, that you have given, we are learning yours. Lord, we ask you to surround us with your power and your protection. Lord, be in each and every one of our lives, Lord God. Let our faith rise above our situations, Lord. And to trust in you that even in this foreign situation, you are leading us. We thank you right now for your blessing and for your goodness and for your greatness. And we give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, let's give God a praise offering tonight.